Our scripture reading comes to us from the first letter of John, the second chapter, beginning in verse 1 and reading through verse 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now by this we may be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments is a liar. And in such a person the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word, truly in this person the love of God has reached perfection. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard, yet I am writing you a new commandment that is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says, I am in the light, while hating a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light, and in such a person there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates another believer is in the darkness walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go, because the darkness has brought on blindness. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're continuing our look through John's first epistle during this month of, of September, as we're looking and understanding exactly who John is teaching us that God is. And today, John is telling us that Christ is our advocate. Last Sunday when we started this, we heard that John told us that God is light, right from that very first chapter. And John loves the illustration of light and unpacking what it means that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all, and that there is no cause for fear, no cause for question, because God does not cause the evil in the world but God is the light that is shining through it. Today we hear that Christ is our advocate. And John tells us that we should not sin. Now is that news to anybody? Is anybody hearing that for the very first time today? Yeah, we, we know that we shouldn't sin. And, and, and undoubtedly this is an issue. Did y'all know that sin was an issue? Undoubtedly, it's been an issue for a while, because if we go back and we look at Paul's letter to the Romans, for example, in Romans chapter 6, Paul says something similar. What should we say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who died to sin go on living in it? Okay? So we've got this thing. Now, now here's the thing, understanding the context and what's going on at the point in time that this is being written. To who, who is writing it? To whom is it being written? These are important things. And we have to understand, for Paul, who is leading congregations, planning congregations, writing to churches that are in the, the greater Greco-Roman world, that are where converts are coming primarily from Greco-Roman religions, like the temple worship of, of Jupiter or Dionysius, because they, they grabbed Greek gods and Roman gods, and some of them they changed the name, and some of them they kept the same name, and some of them was the same god, but different names in different towns. I reckon if you couldn't pronounce it in the town you were in, they'd make it up as they go along, however it was. But they're coming from this idea, this central idea, that 
I don't know if y'all have read a lot of Greco-Roman mythology, but those gods were not much better than human beings. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's kind of worse. And so the, the prevailing understanding was do whatever you have to do in order to keep the gods happy, because if you make the gods angry, then it could be crops that could fall, it could be health and disease issues that could come, it could be pestilence, it could be natural, natural disasters, all kinds of things would, would, be, would just be wrecked upon the people if you didn't keep these gods happy. And now here comes the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ that proclaims that there is one God and that God loves you and that God loves you just where you are, but God loves you too much to leave you where God finds you. The gospel of Jesus Christ that comes breaking in like the light through the darkness that says, no, 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 God so loves the world that He sends His Son into the world that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. And we know that one, but they got to read one, uh, John 1.17 right after, uh, 3.17 right after it. For the Father did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but rather that the world might be saved through Him. This is radical. You mean I don't have to do something in order to earn God's favor? You mean I don't have to do something in order to keep this God happy, that God is not just sitting there on His great throne with a big old lightning bolt waiting to zap my behind as soon as I break something? This is absolutely world-changing. And John is carrying this as well. John's context, starting out in the church in Jerusalem, primarily converts from the Jewish faith. And after he gets arrested, exiled, Christians get expelled from Jerusalem, persecutions begin. He's still dealing with folks who have this understanding of the Old Covenant. That you keep the terms of the Old Covenant and God blesses you. You break the terms of the Old Covenant, God curses you. And we come to God, and then God enters into something with us. And what they've heard is, oh, God comes to us. But there's a little bit of an issue with this. Because for folks who are hearing it like that for the very first time, they hear, oh, so you mean Jesus Christ died on my sins, and in the love of God I'm forgiven, and it doesn't matter what I do because God's always going to love me? Well, I believe in Jesus. I'll just go ahead and live however I want to. And Paul says, uh, no, you don't. And John says, let me explain this to you a little bit further. You know, we shouldn't sin. If you know we shouldn't do something, we ought not do it. Now, here is the funny thing. We like to sit here in Bluff Park, Alabama in the year 2022 with the entire canon of Scripture and Bible studies and Sunday school classes and countless sermons, and we know this, but that pagan ideology is still there. You know how I know? Because I hear us talk, and I do the same thing. Have you ever been in a conversation where someone has said, or you have said, well, I know I shouldn't say this, but. <laughs> well, perhaps I shouldn't feel this way, but I just can't help it. 
and I notice some of the guys are looking at some of the ladies. Guys, I have already hung out with some of you enough to know you gossip just as much as anybody else. We are not going to sit here and act like this is, this is not, oh yes it is. <clears throat> of course, we in Alabama and in the South, the true South, we have another way that we do this as well, don't we? You got it. Bless your heart. Now, you got to be careful with this one because context is really important here. Because sometimes we can say bless your heart, and we really do mean bless your heart. I mean, if you've ever been with someone and they have just been pouring out the, the stuff that's been going on, and it has been just one thing after another, and you have nothing else that you can say, so you take them by the hand or they take you by the hand and look at you in the eyes and say, bless your heart, then that's our way of saying, oh my goodness, I'm praying for you, I'm hurting for you. But if my granny was alive today, if you had told her something dumb, and her hand went up on her hip, and she shifted her weight and kicked her right leg out, and she looked at you and said, well, bless your heart. She was not offering a prayer on your behalf. She were calling you something, and I can't say what she were calling you. And if you knew my granny, that was your cue to stop talking. Because if you kept on, the other hand would go up on the hip, and she'd just come right out and call you while she was trying to say politely with bless your heart. We still deal with this. Now, guys, here's the thing. We cannot excuse sin in our own lives while at the same time wanting to hold the world to a standard, wanting to look at other people and say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, well, that's kind of what's gotten us in this boat where the world's not really wanting to listen to the church so much anymore. Because we are really good at saying, oh, this is wrong, and mounting a campaign, and grabbing our torches and pitchforks, and lashing out, at least on social media. But we're not really good at taking a look at the junk that's in our own lives. And John is reminding us, very bluntly, we cannot claim that we walk in the light. We cannot claim that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot claim that we are followers of the living God. If we know that we have junk in our lives and are comfortable with it, Neither can we claim that we have fellowship with the living God, a God that so loved the world sent His Son, if we have hate for somebody else. And we know this. But here's the part that even wonderful followers of Jesus Christ sometimes forget. The part that I alluded to when I said, we still have a little bit of this Greco-Roman paganism running through our veins. Because we forget, we forget that God's not sitting on the throne waiting to smite us. 
that God is calling out to us, seeking to point out the sin that so easily entangles, the blindness that creeps in without us even realizing it, the hardened hearts and the cold attitudes and the failure to love as we have been loved and the failure to show grace, even though that's what we desire for ourselves, that we just become numb to and don't even realize we've fallen into that trap. God is seeking to open our hearts and open our minds and open our eyes and open our ears to show us the stuff to draw us back. We have an advocate in Jesus Christ. That is the word that John uses in this passage, an advocate, a paraclete, not a parakeet. That's a completely different thing. And if you ever study Greek and you're learning it for the first time, there is a big difference between parakeet and paraclete. You got to get the in there. Because it was confused me forever what Jesus having a little bird on his shoulder had anything to do with me and my sin. A paraclete was a part of, a, of a, a, a Greek and a Roman battlefront. They would fight in what was called a phalanx, where they would create a big block of soldiers, usually 10 to 12 across and a good 20 to 30 deep. And they would brace each other with their shields, and the soldiers behind would have their shields in front, and they would provide support to the backs of the ones who were in front, and together you would march forward. And with the ones in front, they would do the battle. And after a few minutes, the ones in the front would, would break and would come through the middle, and the next line would step up. And so you were constantly facing a well-fought group, well-rested, well-prepared. But if there was a time when the enemy broke your phalanx, then you would pair off back-to-back back with your paraclete. We still use them today in the military. We call them battle buddies. And back-to-back back you would fight, where I'm fighting the enemy in front of me, and my paraclete is guarding my back and fighting the enemy in front of him or her. And we will fight for each other. That's the word that John uses here to describe Christ as our advocate, the one who is fighting for us. The one who is calling out and saying, okay, you're, you're wandering in a direction that I do not intend for you to go, come back. The one who understands the struggles that we are facing and the situations we are in that's tempting us to say and do things that we know is not God-honoring. That he's facing those battles with us and for us. And that Christ is making intercession for us before the throne of the Father. Have we ever stopped and considered that? That when Christ Jesus ascended, He didn't just go, hey, I'm leaving you to Holy Spirit, I'll see you when you check in. That Christ continues to be our Good Shepherd. That Christ continues to be the one who holds us and guides us, who prays for us who yearns for us and loves us, that Christ continues through the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Father and the Father through the Son and the Son through the Spirit and the Spirit through the Father and the Father. I mean, my, one of my favorite quotes from any theologian is by St. Augustine because he says, to deny the existence of the Holy Trinity is to put oneself in danger of the fires of hell. 
But to try to understand how the Holy Spirit works, uh, how, the, how the Holy Trinity works, is to put oneself in danger of going insane. I don't know how the whole thing works. I just know it's there, and I'm really glad that it is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all together. Together. John tells us that Christ, the Word of God that was made flesh, the one who was in the beginning and created all things, the, the one who died on the cross for our sins, the one who rose again on the third day and whose resurrection we share, the one whose light broke through the darkness, that same Christ is our paraclete, our advocate. So children of God, we are called not to sin. We will not take the grace and the love of God so lightly, so flippantly, that we'll just continue to do whatever it is we want to do so long as we feel like it. We will humble ourselves before God. We will repent. But we will do so knowing that Jesus Christ himself is with us and for us and never against us. That Jesus Christ himself is our advocate. That Jesus Christ himself is the light. And through the love and grace of God that we have experienced through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, through the light of Christ that we have witnessed and we have seen in our lives and in the world, through the guidance of the very real presence of the Holy Spirit, we will learn to walk in the light, to love as we have been loved, until we learn to love in the perfection of God. And we will learn in grace how not to become comfortable with sin that is in our lives, but rather to seek first and foremost this day to live according to the will of our God. Not for fear of retribution or the dangers of the fires of hell alone, but because Christ is our advocate. In love, we have been saved. In love, we will be saved. In love, we are saved. May we never forget that Jesus Christ is with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m., and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.